All right, so as you saw from my Twitter feed earlier today, I was successful. It turns out that uh, it is not that complicated to get something on Apple Podcasts. I was able to figure it out over my coffee on Saturday morning or Sunday morning, I think it was. Um, So I'm pumped to have that up there because I think that's for those of you who care enough to listen. I think it's a lot easier, especially when you're driving or doing work or something along those lines to follow along in the form of a podcast. However, I do really like these live videos. I really like when I can have questions asked and I can kind of interact directly with you guys. It's a lot more fun for me. Makes it feel a lot more like a basketball conversation instead of just, you know, uh, one dude talking endlessly for a long time. Uh, but anyway, so today I want to talk about the uh, uh, MJ-LeBron debate as of right now, where I feel about, what I feel about that debate as it stands currently. And then I got a lot of uh, attitude from some people for me saying that Jimmy was the 11th or 12th best player in the league instead of the 10th. And uh, I'm going to defend that. Um, and last but not least, I just want to thank you all uh, who have supported me during this last couple of months as I've gotten this process started. And I've had so much fun with it. And for all of you who take the time to go rate and review that podcast and subscribe, and for all of you who continue to support me, I just hope you understand how much I appreciate you guys. Uh, I've, like I said, I've been having so much fun with it, and I look forward to see where it goes. Uh, but anyway, with the LeBron MJ thing, it's really this simple. You know, I'm a huge LeBron fan. It's the the thing that got me into basketball. I grew up in a basket. I grew up in a baseball and football family. I had to have a talk with my dad to convince him to let me quit the high school football team so that I could pursue basketball. And that was the, the, you know, the, uh, because it was just not a thing in my family growing up and all my, my brothers played football and baseball. And it was really hard for me to get off of that, you know, track to get to what I wanted. And, uh, ironically just flicking channels one day, I came across LeBron playing against the Pistons in 2006. And I guess I was a freshman in high school or a sophomore in high school. And uh, he ended up losing that series, but I was so impressed. I think I, I think I turned it on in game uh, um, in game six when they took the, or it might have been in game uh, five when they took the the three two lead. And I was just entranced by how well he played, and I, I became a huge LeBron fan at that phase of my uh, my life. And it got me into basketball, and I ended up you know get, basketball ended up paying for my college, and it ended up being this unbelievable experience. So I'll always be a LeBron fan for that. But coming into this season, you know, I never thought that he had a legitimate case for the greatest basketball player ever. And I honestly thought it was kind of a mistake made by a lot of LeBron fans to jump on that train too early because it shot some of the credibility down. And it made it, I think it is part of the reason why this debate is so you know, hard to have with people and why everyone is so entrenched in their opinions. It's because, you know, it was like they beat the, the, the 73 win warriors and a lot of LeBron fans kind of, you know, stake their claim that, that LeBron was that guy at that point when I never really thought that at that point he had a legitimate case. And, you know, uh, now and after this season, after what he was able to do, I do think that he finally has a case for me personally, I'm still not ready to say that he definitively can take that title. Um, that said, I do believe he legitimately has a case. And what I plan to do today is to talk about what that case looks like and to explain why, you know, uh, uh, if I was having a conversation with somebody and at some point in the future and I was staking that claim, this is what that claim would look like. And, you know, for starters, you know, I think it's important to understand that, you know, 
the NBA relies heavily on individual conversations about individual players and individual legacies, but it is a team sport at the end of the day. Do you guys think LeBron finally just randomly in 2020 became the best player in the league again? Or do you think he was the best player in the league in 2017 and in 2018 and 2019? And probably for most of the last nine or 10 years, it just is that team circumstances surrounding him have shifted and, you know, things have like broke his way and things have not broken his way. And it has resulted in, you know, teams winning team championships and, and that a lot of times we overcomplicate it instead of simplifying it down to the fact that, yes, this is the sport where an individual has the largest impact, but it is not a sport where an individual is the sole you know, uh, uh, the sole reason why a team can win or lose, you know, and there's a, I think it starts with the aura of invincibility that surrounds Michael Jordan, you know, that he never lost when the reality was that he did not only in the eighties when he was going against a lot of the guys who are his all time peers, the Larry birds, the Isaiah Thomases and the magic Johnson's who dominated while MJ was in the league, but also in the 90s. He lost twice. He lost in 1990 against that Detroit Pistons team in, in seven games, and he lost in 1995 uh, to, the, uh, to the Magic. And the reality is, is like you can, you can draw a line between uh, those losses and, and the fact that basketball is a team sport, even for those circumstances. Like the, for that Pistons team, the youth on that Chicago roster wasn't ready. Scottie Pippen wasn't ready. And, and it took those losses for them to improve to the point where they could peak simultaneously and go on the run that they did. And you know why they lost to the Magic? Because they had Horace Grant and Shaquille O'Neal and they had no front court. So they just got bullied and they had no chance. And that's why they lost. And, you know, I think a lot of times that doesn't mean that MJ wasn't the best player. You know, and MJ was probably the best player from you know, 1989 forward, you know, as, as Larry Bird kind of uh, threw out his back and faded out of the league. But the, the truth of the matter is, is that, you know, uh, d- simplifying it down to just how many championships a player won is, 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 is a, it does a disservice to both of those players and the fact that, and all of their teammates and all of their coaches over the years and the impacts that those people had on them winning and losing over the years. And, and the truth of the matter is, is for about a decade from, 1988 or 1989 to 1998 MJ was the best player in the league and when he was in a circumstance where his team was in the top tier of teams in the league with talent he won and LeBron exact same thing from 19 or from 2000 and uh, uh, 2011 or 12 when he became the best player to now you know for nine or ten years he's been the best player in the league and when things have broken his way when he's been on a team that has had as much talent as everyone else in the league, he's won. And, and, that, and that's the reality of both of their, their cases. But before this season, that 6-3 to three gap was still too big, in my opinion, to have any legitimate conversation surrounding whether or not LeBron deserved to be mentioned in that same breath, in my opinion. But what he did this last year, I believe, has brought that gap close enough that you can actually start to have an honest conversation about the circumstances surrounding both of those guys and the fact that uh, uh, the fact that LeBron now has a legitimate conversation. So, you know, first of all, I want to talk about two things that don't matter to me, things that I don't think are fair elements of the MJ LeBron debate in LeBron's favor. For instance, longevity. A lot of stuff about, oh, LeBron is still dominating the league in his 17th season. That's not fair to Michael Jordan because Michael Jordan played in an era where guys went to college first. And the reality is, is that 
uh, in all likelihood, uh, uh, MJ would have more counting stats and MJ would have more, uh, you know, have that impression of longevity had he gotten into the league when he was 18. But he didn't. He started in college, played, you know, three seasons there and had to start in his first season in his uh, early 20s, which is just a different career path than what it looks like today. So that I don't think works in in, uh, in LeBron's favor. And then I just mentioned it a second ago, but counting stats. When you throw that longevity argument out the, out the window, you have to do the counting stats as well. Like it just doesn't matter to me that LeBron's going to end up with more points, rebounds, and assists than Michael Jordan uh, because I don't think that's fair to Michael Jordan in the circumstance that he played with. If you want to bring up assists from the standpoint of, uh, bringing up LeBron's skill set and the fact that his passing ability was far superior to that of Michael Jordan's? Absolutely. I just don't think you can do it in the form of counting stats. Uh, but what does matter to me and what I think needs to be the cornerstone of LeBron's case for greatest basketball player ever is his winning versatility. And that's the simple idea that regardless of circumstance and regardless of what you put around him, He's going to find a way to win, and he can do it in different ways. And it goes so much further than the thing you've heard a million times over the past couple week or the, over the past week, which is he uh, has won three championships as the best player on, on three different teams, or four championships with three different teams. It goes even further than that. He had two additional finals runs with two completely different supporting casts. In 2007, he went to the finals with Larry Hughes and Eric Snow and Drew Gooden and Zydrunas Elgowskis and Anderson Verjao and those guys. And then in 2018, after Kyrie left and they traded, uh, they traded Kyrie and they traded um, Isaiah Thomas and they traded Jay Crowder and they traded all those guys, he carried another team to the finals that was built around George Hill and Rodney Hood and Kevin Love as a, as a second star instead of a third star and a lot more Tristan Thompson, a lot of Larry Nance Jr., He took five completely different supporting casts to the NBA Finals over a 14-year stretch, or uh, uh, over a 14-year stretch. And then, in addition to that, in 2009, he came just two wins shy and two game winners by, uh, or a game winner by uh, Rashard Lewis from taking another team to the Finals that was built around Mo Williams and Delonte West and uh, J.J. Hickson and, and, and those guys. So we've seen basically six completely different supporting casts get to either to the finals, to a championship, or to within two wins of the finals. Whereas with Michael Jordan, while there was a couple of different you know, uh, moves on the periphery that were different, he did all of his winning with the same cast of characters, which was basically Scottie Pippen, Phil Jackson, and then in the first three-peat, it was uh, mainly built around Horace Grant in the front court, and in the second three-peat, it was mainly built around Dennis Rodman. Now, I think it's important, you can't punish MJ for that necessarily, but it does cast just that little bit of doubt. Just You can have a conversation about the fact that there is more evidence that LeBron can win in different ways whereas MJ just continued to win in the same way. And, you know, and I think it's important to understand that because uh, you hear a lot of people say that. You hear a lot of people say things like, you know, well, LeBron just always cuts and runs and goes to another roster. Or, you know, every time LeBron found his, uh, himself in a, a disadvantageous situation, he would just shuffle the deck again and leave and go somewhere else. And the truth of the matter is, is yes, he did do that, But he did that out of necessity, and it's a necessity that did not exist for Michael Jordan, 
when Michael Jordan was in Chicago, as, as he was getting to that point, you know, six or seven years into the league where he was starting to get frustrated as he was losing, Scottie Pippen peaked and became, you know, uh, one of the best players in the league. And it allowed Michael Jordan to spend the entire second uh, portion of his prime alongside one of the best players in the league. You know, I say, I've been saying this all season as it pertains to Anthony Davis. Michael Jordan playing with Scottie Pippen for the entire back end of his prime, basically for 10 years, that, was, that would be very similar to LeBron spending his entire prime with Anthony Davis instead of getting Anthony Davis when he's 35 years old already. Now, is Anthony Davis a better player than Scottie Pippen? Absolutely. But in the hierarchy of the league, he was not. Like, the league was, is so much deeper at the top now that it seems like, you know, Scottie Pippen isn't that great. But in the 90s, Scottie Pippen was that great. He was a first-team All-NBA guy. He, was, he ranged over the course of that 10-year stretch from somewhere around the, you know, sixth or seventh best player in the league to the second or third best player in the league. The guy damn near won an MVP. The guy damn near uh, made it to the finals without Michael Jordan. Scottie Pippen, to the, to the 90s, was what Anthony Davis is to this era which is not the best player in the league, but right up there. And on any given season could go on a run where he was like the best players in the league. And so that's why Michael Jordan never shuffled the deck or went to another team or asked out or demanded trades from teammates or things along those lines. That's why he didn't have to do that. And it's funny because for whatever reason, that reputation follows LeBron around, but it never has followed Kobe around. And, you know, you look at those three guys, you've got uh, uh, Michael Jordan, LeBron, and Kobe. You've got Michael Jordan, who consistently, in the, the, for the large part of his career, was on one of the best teams in the league and never felt the need to leave. And then you've got Kobe, who very much felt the need to leave and demanded a trade, and it ended up leading to his second stretch of championship contention there from 2008 to 2010. And then you got LeBron where that trade never happened and so he had to leave. So I've got the guy who never needed to leave. I've got the guy who wanted to and by threatening leaving caused his front office to finally be aggressive and make the necessary moves to bring in the winning piece, which was Pau Gasol. And then I've got LeBron who after seven years of dealing with Mo Williams and Delonte West and Larry Hughes and Eric Snow was like, I got to do this myself. And, you know, and then Dwayne Wade was supposed to be his Pippen, and then he broke down. So if, if Dwayne Wade stayed at that level the way that Scottie Pippen did for Michael, LeBron never would have left. He would have stayed in Miami. He left out of necessity. And so while it's not fair to blame Michael Jordan for not winning in multiple circumstances, it's also not fair to blame LeBron for leaving and looking for those circumstances because he did it out of necessity. But at the end of the day, if, if, if your definition for what greatest basketball player ever is, you know, what can I win with, then I think LeBron has a better case for number one, simply because of the fact that if I'm starting from scratch and I'm picking four random players out of a hat to be the starters, and I'm picking another 10 random players out of a hat to be the supporting cast, and I'm picking another random name out of the hat to be the coach, there is more evidence that those random names will succeed alongside LeBron James than there is evidence that they will succeed alongside any other player 
that uh, that he can be compared to long term or uh, 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 in terms of the top players in NBA history. And so that is the number one case for LeBron being the greatest player ever. It's just that winning versatility, the idea of regardless of who you put next to him, he's going to find a way to win. And then secondly, the, the other big thing that I would build my LeBron case around is just that uh, the mental consistency and the mental toughness. I have never seen a player in my lifetime in any sport uh, that has the ability to dig deep and find some sort of motivation to do it again, even when the carrot at the end of the tunnel may not be realistic. Like what he did in 2018 with that Cavalier team, sitting there like knowing he can't win the title and knowing it would be so easy to pack your bags and just be like, this isn't the time, this isn't the run, and just doing it anyway. Like what he did against Indiana and Boston and Toronto in that playoff run with that group of guys, just being like, you know what, the deck is stacked against me. I probably have 0% chance of getting this done, but I'm going to go all the way anyway. And I'll go get my ass kicked by Golden State. But it's just... His that 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 type of mental wiring that he has is not something that existed for MJ. And the reality is, is for MJ, like when he got exhausted, he just left and he got to leave for two years. And then when he got exhausted again, he left again. So, you know, and I think you've seen that with just about every other group of players in NBA history. Like, look at the the Lakers in 2011 and 2012. It's like those guys just got tired. And they, you know, and, and a lot of it had to do with health and Kobe's knees started to have some issues there in 2011. But, you know, the reality is, is with all of these other players that you compare LeBron to, there were just, there was just an eventual mental exhaustion that would set in that would cause them to fall apart. And if you like, you look at the Celtics and Lakers in the eighties, like there are a couple of random seasons in there for both of those guys, for Larry and for Magic, where they would just lose in like the second or third round for some reason. And you'd be like, wait, like, why in the world, you know, why in the world is Portland beating L.A., you know, in 1990? You know, like, Magic Johnson's the best player on the floor by a mile. And it's that mental exhaustion. It's the simple fact that over time, it's one thing to win. It's another thing to win again and again and again and again without ever relenting. And if you look at LeBron's entire career, it's pretty much just last year with the injury and the injuries injuries to all of his role players where you can say he kind of packed it in. But even then he tried. Like he came back from that groin injury with, you know, Lonzo being out and with Brandon Brandon Ingram being injury prone all season and even after Brandon Ingram went down and he just tried to do it. And then of course it ended up not being enough cuz that team was garbage after all the injuries happened but he gave it he had LeBron's mental energy LeBron's mental reservoir is completely different than any player uh in the history of the NBA and so if I'm so in summation like I said from from the from the start I personally am not ready to you know profoundly claim that LeBron is the best player ever but I think now after this season he finally has a legitimate case and that legitimate case is built on his, his uh, uh, winning versatility, the ability to win regardless of circumstance. He has taken five different supporting casts to the finals and six different supporting casts to within two wins of the finals. He, he has shown that he can win under any circumstance. And then secondly, his mental consistency, his, mental consistency, his motor, his, 
his reservoir of motivation is unparalleled in the history of basketball, in my opinion. And so the ability for him to uh, eventually have a profound case is built on that longevity. Like I said earlier, you cannot uh, use longevity as a case for LeBron now because what he just did, he's 35, and MJ did this at age 35. But you know what MJ didn't do? Is this at 36, in this at 37, in this at 38. So that third case that LeBron can make beyond the winning versatility and beyond that mental consistency is he can make the longevity case now. The year, everything going up to year 17, didn't, it was worthless. It didn't count uh, in terms of the longevity debate because MJ did that too. But now, in this late stage of his career, LeBron has a chance to add another significant uh, element to his case in that longevity. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I, you know, I, I, like I said, I, I, I think that this debate can get super uninteresting with how entrenched everybody is. But I do like having the nuanced conversation with people who are honestly willing to do it honestly. And uh, that's why I'm excited to have Tommy on later this week. He's going to take the MJ side of this. And him and I will have some fun with that just to give you guys some extra content here in the, the NBA's summer. Um, but yeah, like that's, that's just where I stand right now. At the summer of uh, the, you know, the winter, the offseason of 2020 after LeBron has won his fourth title. Uh, so the last thing I want to talk about today is uh, this Jimmy Butler thing. I caught a lot of flack uh, from people when I said that Jimmy Butler wasn't a top 10 player. But it was something that, you know, you know, there's two important things that I want to get at here just to defend myself. First of all, uh, it bought, this is, I used to have this problem with Steph fans when I'd be like, I get just my ass chewed for saying that Steph is the second or third best player in the league or the fourth best player in the league as if that's some giant insult when the league is so damn talented now that the guys at the top in the le- the guys at the top of the league are the the names you're looking at it's the most it's the most uh it's the most talented top of the league we've seen since the 1980s when you go to the 1980s and you've got you know Barkley at the top of his game and and Bird at the top of his game and Magic at the top of his game and MJ at the top of his game that like and it goes on and on in the 80s that's literally what it's like now I've got LeBron, I've got Kawhi, I've got Steph, I've got, you know, uh, Giannis, and I've got Kevin Durant, and like, and, I, and now I've got Anthony Davis who's in that group of guys. Like, the, the, the list of talent at the top of the league is unlike it has ever been since the 1980s. And so from that standpoint, it goes all the way down into that deep, you know, 10 to 15 range. And for me to say, you know, Jimmy Butler is the 11th or 12th best player ever, or excuse me, in this era is not an insult to him because, like I said, uh, like I said when I originally made the point, we're comparing him to Damian Lillard, a guy who averaged thirty damn points a game this year and just dragged his team to the playoffs on his back when they were injured out the wazoo. It's like this guy, this guy is in a tier where he's even in that you know ten to fifteen range. He is competing against Damian Lillard. And Jason Tatum, who just dropped 26 points a game in a playoff run for a team that made the Eastern Conference Finals and was the best defender on the floor in a lot of the games that he played. And, and uh, uh, Joel Embiid, who's like the, best, like the best center we've seen since, you know, uh, 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 since Dwight was in his prime. And, and we have, you know, uh, Paul George, who, I mean, obviously we've roasted him, but he was an MVP candidate last year. And, and CP3 was second team All-NBA this year and, and dragged a team that was – supposed to miss the playoffs 
in, uh, into a, a seven-game slugfest with the Houston Rockets. So the point is, is like me saying that Jimmy Butler is not a top 10 player is not me, you know, shitting on the guy after having an amazing playoff run. That's me just trying to have an honest conversation about the NBA's proverbial horse race. And I'm looking at these guys and, okay, I've got nine for sure names that I cannot put Jimmy above. And then I'm talking about whether or not he's better than Dame or better than Tatum. And right now I would say that Damian Lillard is so far superior as an offensive player that I just cannot put Jimmy above him because of my personal ideologies and the way that I evaluate offensive talent or talent in the playoffs. And then uh, same thing goes for Jason Tatum. And again, I've made this point like 17 times over the last two weeks, and I'll make it one last time. Jimmy Butler was a 20-point-per-game guy for the last six seasons in Chicago, in Minnesota, in Philly, and in uh, Miami. In the playoffs, he was a 20-point-a-game guy in Minnesota, in Chicago, in Philly, and in Miami. In this Miami playoff run, he was a a 20-point-a-game guy the entire playoff run. And then the Lakers really, 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 really let their foot off the gas in two games, in game three of this series and in game five of this series. And they let a guy who is the 11th or 12th best player in the league play one-on-one basketball all night long. And they let a guy who is the the 11th or 12th best player in the league face zero help defense. And uh, Anthony Davis in foul trouble just floating around the perimeter. And just really garbage efforts from the Lakers that led to him having a 40-point triple-double and a 35-point triple-double. And again, that's Jimmy Butler deserves all the credit for what he did in this playoff run. And he absolutely deserves to be acknowledged as you know, a player who was better than we all thought he was. Because coming into this playoff run, we probably all had Jimmy in that 17, 18 to 20 range. So we were giving him his props by moving him up the list. But if I'm having an honest conversation about who the 10 best players in the league are, I just, I can't in good faith take a 20 point a game guy who's a good, not great playoff defender and who's good, not great at anything in playoff basketball and put him over Damian Lillard who uh, legitimately uh, uh, gets trapped on every single pick and roll and doubled all over the court because teams are terrified of him having the ball. And you know what, guys? Like, And this is the last thing I'll say. Dame has had some playoff failures in his life. Make no mistake. But Jimmy Butler won three playoff series total in his entire career coming into this playoff run in the Eastern Conference. Literally playing against the same guys that everybody has completely denigrated for the sake of trashing LeBron for the last decade. Jimmy Butler has been in that same conference and has been a 20-point-a-game guy for the last six years and has won three playoff series total in his entire career. And one of them was back in the day when Derrick Rose was on the team and he was you know, uh, not the same guy. So the reality is, is like if I put Damian Lillard on this Miami Heat team, and, and gave him that Eric Spolstra coaching staff and the uh, BAM's uh, elite defensive versatility and Andre Iguodala and Jay Crowder and elite shooters like Duncan Robinson and Tyler Harrow. Guess what, guys? Dame's going to the finals. And he probably gives LeBron a better run for his money because they're not going to – it's just – I just think that we've gotten a little bit out of – a little bit crazy on this Jimmy Butler thing uh, because of a couple of games that were incredible – but we have two games of that type of evidence, and I've got six entire years, including this year, including every other playoff game in this playoff run, 
where Jimmy was a different guy. And so, yeah, I, I just, I think a lot of people are overthinking this and getting a little bit too caught up in the moment. And if I'm, if I'm talking about who, you know, which I take very seriously because I'm a diehard NBA nerd. I take NBA rankings very seriously. In my opinion, Dame and maybe even Tatum have a better case as better basketball players right now than Jimmy Butler does. And I'll stand by that, um, uh, uh, at least for this summer, until I see something a little bit more consistent from Jimmy moving forward. All right, so that's all I have for today. Um, Like I said, later this week, I'm going to have Tommy come on, and we're going to uh, talk MJ LeBron. Uh, I also am going to finish my top 10 list and go one through nine. Uh, And uh, the format I'll do for that is I'll work my way up from nine to one, and each player that I get to, I will explain why that player is better than the player underneath him. Uh, and then I'll, I'll take some questions at the end of that one. You guys can explain why you disagree. Uh, but yeah, so thanks again for, uh, for all of you for listening. Like I said, if you go to my Twitter feed, my pinned tweet has the link to the Apple podcast that I finally have created. All of you who uh, rate, review, and subscribe, I sincerely appreciate you guys. And uh, until later this week, I guess.